Welcome to The Daily Drive, a podcast from Ford Driving Skills for Life that delves into teen driving safety tips and instruction. This podcast will also highlight community awareness campaign ideas and personal stories of tragedy that have led to advocacy. We'll have conversations with the people who work to keep teens safe on the road every day. People like traffic safety experts, parents, teens, and professional driving instructors. And with that, I'll turn it over to professional race car driver and the lead for Driving Skills for Life driving instructor, Mike Speck. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Daily Drive, presented by Ford Driving Skills for Life. I am your host, Mike Speck. Our guests today are JC Good and Steve Johnson. They are safety advocates and public speakers for distraction-free driving. Their story is powerful. I'm not even going to give you an idea of what it is. I want them to tell you what it's all about. But as I said, suffice it to say, it is powerful. And they are up next on The Daily Drive. Hey, Steve and JC, how are you? Hi, good. Feeling great, thank you. Uh, It's good to see you both. I know that when you were younger, uh, there were different plans for your lives. Things changed, uh, and they do in many people's lives. But in in your case, let's say that they changed a little bit more dramatically than for the common person. So, uh, JC, let's start with you. Can you tell me what your story is? Absolutely. Going all the way back to 2008 on, it was our college graduation day, kind of the day that we had both worked for for so long, ready for real life. When my parents and I left that graduation to go home one last time. But unfortunately, on that drive home, we were struck by an 18-wheeler. He was swerving to miss a car that had pulled out, turning left through a red light. I have no memories of this part of my life, but from reading newspaper articles and hearing the stories from other people, I learned that we were traveling south. Dad didn't do anything wrong as he was driving. A driver talking on his hands-free phone came to that red light and stopped at that red light, but then turned left into that intersection. As he did that, the semi-truck driver swerved, trying to miss him, but unfortunately hit my family's car that as a result killed both of my parents on impact, put me in a coma for a couple of weeks, put me in the hospital for four months, left me trying to figure out how to get my life back. There were just a ton of injuries, but the one that sort of lasted for Jace is uh, this brain injury she has, um, which thank God does not impact her cognition, but uh, she can't really use the left side of her body, like arm, hand, fingers, foot, ankle, toes, any of that stuff. So um, that's kind of what has stuck around. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were we had actually started dating like three weeks into college. So we were a, a pretty well-established couple at that point. And um, yeah. we had plans. Like you said, it, it, JC had a job lined up with Habitat for Humanity, and I had a job lined up at a bank, which didn't sound very exciting, but it's what I was headed towards. Um, And then that day just kind of changed everything. JC, um, Steve's kind of touched on it a little bit, but from your perspective, 
How has your life changed since the crash? I mean, those early days of living in the hospital, just trying to wrap my head around what had happened. It was months before I could even comprehend what had hap happened to my parents, that they weren't going to come and visit me or that half my body didn't work. At first, it was just pain all the time. But then slowly, thankfully, as I healed and my brain continued to heal, I was able to understand kind of how very traumatic this entire experience was. But I was lucky. My brain made good progress. I was figuring out how to live a life kind of with half of what I used to have. And kind of as Steve said, it's still to this day living with half a body. You know, I can't play softball or volleyball or ride a bike, go for a run. These things that used to be my favorite things to do that were kind of taken from me because of a cell phone. And though, you know, we had those plans and that kind of got shattered, JC was always, I mean, even in college, she was the kind of person who would see a problem and want to try to fix it. And um, sort of just as soon as she was able, she started trying to get laws passed related to cell phone use while driving. And then things just kind of snowballed from there. I don't know, you can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, kind of as I got out of the hospital, understood what happened. I was reading the newspaper articles to kind of prove to myself that, that this, I don't know how this had happened. Yeah. I learned it was caused by a cell phone. There had been no criminal charges because it wasn't illegal to use a phone in Pennsylvania where this happened. So six months later, I was in Harrisburg trying to get laws passed. Press conferences got my name out there, and I kept sharing at every possible opportunity. And from there, it's turned into a career that's lasted the last 10 years. Yeah, pretty much 10 years now. We're, we're full-time public speakers. So a job at the bank didn't happen, and the job at Habitat for Humanity didn't happen. But we ended up with a pretty fulfilling career uh, nonetheless. Yeah, obviously what you're doing now is helping people. Uh, hopefully it can prevent further tragedies from taking place. JC, what just struck me is the feeling of what it must have been like to read about your crash in the paper and, and get, or, or online and get information on what took place that way that had to be, uh, that had to be life-changing in and of itself to read about yourself that way. Um, did that help to drive you toward wanting to get involved in making sure that this doesn't happen to other people? Absolutely. At first, it was just trying to prove to myself, like I said, you know, I had never been in any kind of car crash. Dad was the safest driver there was. I needed to know what had done this to my family. And I think because it was kind of such a high profile case, locally at least you know my parents were so beloved and how they were taken so needlessly that brought me attention that i didn't necessarily want at the time but i soon kind of recognized that i would be able to use it to try and make it all make some kind of sense and maybe hurt a little bit less and just to add one thing to that and there were a lot of write-ups about this just because it was so horrible um a lot of misinformation was in there. There was just like, it's like one newspaper reported that JC's brother had witnessed the crash from his car, but he had left like hours earlier, you know? And then 
every other newspaper after that reported the same thing. And it's enraging when it's something like that. That's so personal. And imagine her brother reading that. And sure. um, I think that anger was just one of the things yeah. that, that spurred her to almost publicly correct the record in a way. So let's go on uh, to the website. JC, can you speak a little bit uh, to that site? I'll, I'll put it up right now. So as we started sharing this story, it became clear that we needed to devote more time to it. You know, Steve was working at an ice cream shop. I was still in therapies every day. It's three or four years after the fact. And then people started asking us to come and speak at places. So we started trying to kind of create a company, a, whatever, an organization. And actually, my dad, well, my dad would never put a bumper sticker on a car even though our cars were ancient. Um, he still always had just a plain bumper sticker that just said, hang up and drive. And as we were trying to figure out what we could call ourselves, that just stuck in my head. And so we found that website and made it ours. And so that's, uh, that's what we call our presentation, hang up and drive, JC and Steve's journey. We think that that personal story, that journey is the thing that maybe is most uh, likely to impact people to actually get them to change behavior. So our, our presentation really does focus more on the story aspect than it does the science and the stats, although we certainly cover that stuff. Um, and so that's become our mission. And we're uh, almost 1,100 events in. Wow. Um, it's a ton of high schools, and it's a lot more corporate work every year. We're doing more of that and some colleges here or there. Um, and it's, it's a passion. So speaking of high schools, uh, I've actually seen some of the presentations. I mean, to me, they're just riveting. It's, it's powerful. Uh, I've done a little bit of speaking in high schools myself. Uh, it comes with its, its challenges of trying to keep their attention. From what I've seen, you do very, very well. But tell me, uh, how do most of the teens take your story? What's What's the general vibe in the room at that time? And do they come up to you later? Give us an idea of what that's like. Uh, I'd like to hear from both of you on that, actually. I guess in the early days of this, our very first presentations, we were 23 and 24 years old. So we were only yeah. a couple of years older than them. And we could really connect with young people. And that's maybe a little bit harder these days, especially. That, that's your fault. The gray hair. <laughs> oh, that gray hair. <laughs> but we're telling a love story. I mean, that's yeah. really the key is that if we got up in front of a room of teenagers and just started talking stats, it's not going to connect at all. But we just, the, the first 10 minutes of the presentation is, is all before the crash. You know, it's, it's just establishing that we were a couple and we're silly and we're normal and all that stuff before we kind of hook them with the tragedy that comes after that and, and a lot more love moving forward. Yeah, and I think we just try and find whatever it is we can use to connect with an audience, no matter who is in that yeah. audience. And I think it's reflective of our whole society. No matter who you're interacting with, no matter how different you might be, you can find something that you can connect on. But it's it's just astounding to us how many of these young people have stayed in touch over time. I mean, they just love following JC on her social media stuff. And then we've had some reach out, I mean, years later, who said, like, for example, there was one that was, you know, I saw your presentation in this year. Now I'm a college freshman and 
I had this new group of friends and we were all in the car together and one was using her phone and I told your story and it, we made this pact that we would never use our phones in the car together, just like stuff like that. Um, but then back in the presentations themselves, I mean, the people who line up to tell us their own stories, you know? Everyone has a story. We have not been a place where there hasn't been a hand raised of a kid telling a story that maybe none of their, you know, their classmates didn't know this impacted their aunt, their grandma, whatever it is. Everyone's been touched by this in some manner. That's the powerful connection right there. When you can speak in front of a group of teens and then somebody has the courage, one of those teens has the courage to tell their story, you've made a, a connection to that entire room at that point. It sounds like for you, that's very, very common. As you just said, it happens all the time. But I don't know that that's true for a lot of speakers that, that speak to teens. That has got to be a terrific and fulfilling feeling for you that you are uh, involving change for sure. Do you feel that way? Absolutely. And it feels so strange in this time of COVID right now. But after every speech, we have to allot time to talk to teenagers, to give as many hugs as there is a line of kids who want to hug and want to take pictures and bask in the celebrity of a girl who was on Say Yes to the Dress one time. I do love the Say Yes to the Dress <laughs> reference for JC. And for me, I really appreciate, and this is much rarer, but it still happens and I really like it, is um, some when a teenage guy comes up to me, a lot of times girls will be like, oh, Steve, you were so great for sticking by her. Like, I want a man like you or whatever. They say weird things. But um, sometimes a guy will come up to me and say, like you're, like, you're a good role model. And to even hear a teenager say the word role model is significant to me. But uh, I appreciate it. And I don't know that I have loved her any more than anyone else loves another person. I decided to stick around and... Uh, and be in the hospital with her every day. And obviously it paid off. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy I did. Um, I never considered leaving, but uh, I guess maybe some guys would have. I'm not that guy. I guess everybody's different that way. But I, I can tell you, Steve, it, it's pretty obvious that you're incredibly dedicated. The way you keep looking at JC as well is uh, there's no other <laughs> No other term for it. I mean, it's just really sweet. Well, um, you know, yeah. she, she put makeup on for this thing, so she just looked <laughs> particularly good today. In COVID times, that, that <laughs> yeah, that's another. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the website is obviously a great way to reach you. Uh, do you have any resources on that on that website? Anything uh, like? Do you want to point anything out in particular about the site that you'd like people to visit? One thing that's on there is. Um, a PSA that JC did with AT&T's It Can Wait campaign. Um, and it just kind of went huge on social media after it came out. Uh, the first, the homepage of our, our website has like a slider at the top and the second slider, you can click that and, and watch that video and just kind of see how JC's story can impact young drivers because um, we're passionate about everyone we speak to, uh, corporate and and family groups and church group, whatever. We speak to everyone, but I don't think anything is as important as getting teenagers to uh, to latch onto this right from the get-go, like young in their driving careers. So the PSA is the one thing that I would, I would point people to if they haven't already seen it. It seems that everywhere we go these days, every driver's ed teacher is like, oh, I show that video. Yeah. Um, 
so it's out there and i'm sure a lot of people who who may watch this have already seen it but doesn't have yeah, to I'll, I'll chime in as well i saw it um and and it is it is impactful any last uh thoughts any uh um last ideas that you want to share I think if you watch that PSA, try and put yourself in that video. Imagine yourself in that seat across from me and try and justify what is on your phone that's more important than my parents' lives or any life out there on the road because we're putting that at risk every single time we're in the car and you make this choice to do something that we all know we shouldn't be doing. And I would just as a final note, say I, one of the big themes in our presentations is sort of this ripple effect idea that, you know, you don't have to be the person in the car to be impacted by this. I mean, by the time the crash happened on my graduation day, I was already back two states away where I live, but this crash still impacts me every single day of my life forever. Um, so we just try to get people to appreciate that. And, you know, you may say, oh, I'm a good driver, but if you're not going to be willing to speak up when you see somebody doing something wrong, you're not really a part of the solution because we kind of all have to look out for each other. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, thanks so much for sharing your story. Um, as I'd said before, I've, I've seen, uh, one of your presentations before and it. I, I don't know what to say. It just really struck me. And I'm glad that you uh, took the time today to share some of that information. Please stay well and, and take care. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Bye. All right, everybody. So that was JC Good and Steve Johnson. Again, if you want more information, uh, you can go to their website, Hang Up and Drive. So the Daily Drive is part of the Ford Driving Skills for Life program. And that program is backed by Ford's philanthropic arm, the Ford Motor Company Fund. If you want more information on the Ford Driving Skills for Life or on the Daily Drive, you can just go to our website at drivingskillsforlife.com. Another thing that you can look for on the website is our academy. Uh, and that academy has several videos and other resources uh, to help teach you about safe driving. Look, I, I don't know what to tell you folks, uh, being a good driver involves that sense of taking responsibility for what it is that you're doing on the road. Uh, and if you're texting and driving, uh, the repercussions can be extreme. Uh, and we've just heard what that can be like. So thanks so much for listening uh, to this latest segment of The Daily Drive. Uh, this is Mike Speck signing off. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And we'll see you back here the next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Daily Drive, presented by Ford Driving Skills for Life. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook at Ford Driving Skills for Life and on Instagram and Twitter at Ford DSFL. You can find a video version of this podcast on our Facebook page or on YouTube. We hope you'll tune in again to this podcast for news you can use to keep teen drivers safe on the road.